Welcome to Win Your Health. I'm Dr. Ryan Sousley, chiropractor, functional medicine practitioner, and Ironman triathlete. And I'm Dr. Erin Sousley, also a chiropractor, functional medicine practitioner, and iron mom of four beautiful kiddos. And together, our mission is to bring you inspiring people and empowering information so that you can win your health and win at life. Okay, so we've got kind of a fun topic this morning. We are talking about five ideas to increase your personal power and enable enable yourself to live your best life. And so this is actually a presentation that I got to do at uh, the Business Leadership Summit last week um, that was put on by Advanced Benefits here in Coeur d'Alene. And uh, it was super fun. So this company, they do like benefits for small businesses and uh, I guess it's not all just small businesses, but they put to be- put together benefits packages for businesses. And so every year they do this leadership summit and it's a pretty cool concept. They have all their clients and prospective clients come to this leadership summit and it's just value driven. So they have uh, a handful of speakers that come in and they talk about, you know, how to, how to build your business, how to build the people that run your business. And so I had the privilege of speaking about how to increase your personal power. So um, I, I really personally love this topic. I mean, I'm, I'm just a junkie when it comes to personal development books and, um, you know, seminars and experiences and coaching because I, you know, I'm just constantly trying to push the envelope in my own life and get the most out of my body and, and the most out of my life. But I love teaching on this stuff, too. And I really think in our office, you know, this is what we do for patients. You know, we're we're both chiropractors, but. I think at the end of the day, I was just having a conversation with a guy this morning who's actually a, 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 a renowned speaker all around the country, and he's a motivational guy, and we were talking about personal mission statements, and he, and he goes, you know, at the, at the end of the day, what, what is your job? You know, you're not just a chiropractor. That's something you do, but what, you know, what's your personal mission statement? What's your mission in life? And ultimately, mine, you know, comes down to, and I think both of ours, ultimately, comes down to just helping be helping helping people become the best version of themselves possible you know pulling the best out of people so anyway I'm gonna we're gonna go through these five ideas today and uh, you know this this is kind of tailor-made for workplace wellness but honestly this applies to everybody you know the the ideas that we're gonna go over today are really relevant for anybody no matter what you know no matter what your season of life is whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're an, an, uh, an entrepreneur or a CEO or you know, you're uh, an employee somewhere. Um, really, these principles transcend no matter what you know season of life that you're in. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But I think it's worth just giving kind of an update of what's going on right now. I think it's really fascinating. Aaron, you came across an article recently about masks, and uh, we'd be remiss to not bring up this subject because that's you know that's probably the hottest debate right now in health and wellness is do you do you wear a mask do I not wear a mask am I hurting people am I hurting myself am I a bad person am I you know hurting the greater good and the article is really interesting you can get into a little bit more about what it said but you know what's what I think is really fascinating is that the CDC and you know these uh, health committees around the country they keep going back and forth on their stance on all this stuff surrounding the coronavirus yeah, so I mean, with giving credit to some of these, you know, organizations is that this is, you know, a so-called new virus. Coronaviruses themselves are not new, but this coronavirus is new. And so, you know, the, all these different agencies are trying to figure out, you know, 
what information to put out and it's evolving and changing. So giving credit to them, it is a very difficult thing to do, I think, in terms of just um, it, just the topic of liability, for one. Um, and I think that's why things have been changing so much as we learn more and more about this and how it affects people and how it spreads. Um, but really what the CDC just came out with today, or this week, I should say, is that whether you wear a mask or not, if you're in contact with somebody who has COVID for more than 15 minutes within six feet, they call that like a, um, an actual exposure is when you're in close contact for more than 15 minutes. Whether you wear a mask or not, um, you still have the same um, you know, risk of developing COVID-19 or getting it from that person. So uh, you know, that's basically saying the mask doesn't work if that's the scenario that you're in. The World Health Organization came out earlier this week and said that kids under the age of five should not be wearing masks for so, uh, source control. Kids six to 12 should um, actually just be on a risk-based um, kind of scale. So, you know, if you determine that you're putting someone else at risk, like a grandparent, you know, you can use your best judgment if you want to put them in a mask. But ultimately what what these agencies are saying is that the mask is not necessarily going to prevent infection in that age group or if you're close enough to somebody with COVID-19. So obviously, you know, people are angry because things keep changing. And honestly, you know, if you believe that masks are going to prevent the spread of coronavirus, you're going to find data that supports that stance. If you don't believe that masks are going to, you know, prevent coronavirus, you're going to find data that supports that stance. And so that's why I think our country is so divided and it's very black and white for, for a lot of people. It's either, yes, we should be wearing masks and no, we should not. Um, and again, you can find data on both sides to support your, your argument. Well, I think the sad part, <clears throat> part in my opinion is, uh, just the fact that it's been politicized so much that it's almost like, you know, if, if you wear a mask, you're a Democrat. If you don't, you're a Republican. <laughs> I mean, that's you see stuff on social media all over the place that's like that. Um, and it's also become like a moral issue. It's like, oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're selfish and you're killing people and you don't care about other people. And if you do, you're just a conformist and you're, you know, a sheep being led to the slaughter. Um, I, at, at the end of the day, you know, this is where today's topic is not about whether or not you should wear a mask or not. Uh, it's really just more about um, this idea that, you know, core values and philosophies uh, principles, rather, they don't change. You know, principles that have to do with health and well-being, they don't change. Um, information changes, and that's why I think they keep kind of flip-flopping back and forth as they learn more about what's really going on. But I think ultimately, you gotta you gotta anchor to, or the only thing that you can anchor to, are there are these principles that govern health. And what we know to be true, you know, statistically speaking, not just for COVID nineteen, but for pretty much any illness that's out there and any pandemic we've ever had is that if you're healthy, if you have health from the inside out and your body's functioning like it was created to, you really don't have a whole lot to worry about, right? And so instead of focusing on how to how to not get sick, um, we all need to be focusing on how to, how to get and stay well, because if we can get and stay well, then we really don't have to worry about getting sick. So with that being said, we're going to get into the five ideas uh, to create personal power to, or to increase your personal power. 
And the reason why, you know, I think this is really uh, compelling and intriguing is because if you are an employee somewhere, if you have a job, if you've ever had a job, even if you don't have a job, but you're, uh, you know, a mom or a dad, and that's your full-time work, which is oftentimes more than if you actually have a job, we know because we have four kids and Aaron, you stay home with the kids mostly. Um, but it's a ton of work, you know, so whether or not you actually go to an office and get a paycheck, um, we all work, you know, we all have a job to do. And so some of these statistics are from, you know, they're, they're relative to workplace specifically, but you know, again, this applies to no matter what you're doing in life, but just to give you a couple of statistics, this is really fascinating. And this is all part of the presentation that I did last week. Uh, but according to Forbes.com, companies with corporate wellness programs saved over $250 million a year in healthcare costs. So these are companies that have actually instituted or implemented uh, workplace wellness programs where they're incentivizing and encouraging and equipping their employees to be well, you know, whether it's fitness uh, opportunities like with gym memberships or nutrition coaching or, uh, you know, movement benchmarks, you know, fitness trackers, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, what these companies did is they, they invested in these workplace wellness programs and then ultimately it ended up saving them. So even though they had to spend some money on the front end, they ultimately got to save millions of dollars in the long run. Another one is that employees participating in workness wellness programs had 50% lower blood pressure which has you know a direct correlation with stress. 60% of healthcare workers come from, uh, or sorry, 60% of healthcare costs come from lost productivity or missed work days. So it's not even that you get sick and you have to go to the hospital and spend a bunch of money, but you get sick and you miss work and either you and or your employer lose out on a bunch of money because you weren't produ- you weren't producing anything of value that day or you just missed that day. And again, that transcends to your family life too. So we're not just talking about making a paycheck. We're talking about being productive in life. Here's another one from the World Health Organization. Employers, uh, for every dollar that is spent on workplace wellness or invested in workplace wellness, employers uh, get $6 back in productivity which is just crazy, right? I mean, as a business owner, we have a clinic and we, we're always looking at our return on investment. So if we're going to hire somebody, you know, what does that actually mean in terms of our bottom line? Or if we're going to invest in some type of advertising, what does that mean in terms of our bottom line? Um, anything that's out there that can get you a 600% return is just crazy. And what this research article found from the World Health Organization is that when businesses invested a dollar, they got the equivalent of $6 back in return. Here's another one from the World Economic Forum. When health and well-being are promoted within the workplace, or again, this could be your family, organizations are seen as 2.5 times more likely to be a best performer, so meaning the top of the industry, and four times less likely to lose talent within the next year. So again, if you have a family, you're not necessarily going to lose family members. They're not going to go, you know, join another family or anything. However, you know, if you're in business, um, this is a really big deal because there's nothing that kills your business or your 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 growth trajectory um, like employee turnover. And the last one is again from the World Health or the World Economic For- uh, Forum, an organization that actively promotes wellness is three and a half times more likely to encourage creativity and innovation among its employees and are eight times more likely to be engaged in what they do. And again, we all want to be engaged in life. We want to be creative in life. We want our kids to be engaged and creative and innovative 
And what this research article is showing is that just by increasing your health and well-being, you know, in, increasing or uh, implementing some type of movement every day, healthy nutrition, hydration, getting enough rest, reducing stress or minimizing stress, you know, these elements, these five things that we're going to talk about massively increase uh, innovation and creativity and um, engagement. So we all want to be engaged. We all want to be productive. We all want to make a difference. Um, your health has direct correlation with all that. Maybe smaller coffins, and I hate to be morbid, but um, really it has nothing to do with how we look. It's everything to do with how our body is functioning um, and not ne- merely you know, the absence of sipt- symptoms or disease. And uh, we kind of found this out the hard way. I mean, we this is something that we've believed and taught and practiced for for a decade, but about five years ago, my mom called me just out of the blue, and um, you know she she had been living in Hawaii for about five years at this point, and working out once, sometimes twice a day at her gym. Was in several different uh, aerobics classes. Um, loved to walk and hike, and ate really well. Was eating you know a very clean diet. Um, looked fabulous. And so we get this call from her and she tells me that she's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and they've given her a couple months to live. And it was just really, really um, shocking because there was never any sign that her body wasn't functioning properly. And it was very devastating for our family five years ago to see her go through that. She from the time she was diagnosed with a little bit of indigestion was her only symptom. Um, to the time that she passed was five weeks. And so we, it was just, again, we felt blindsided and, you know, as health care providers and as wellness doctors, you know, we tried to give her everything we knew, um, at the very last minute, hyperbaric chamber, IV, uh, vitamin C therapy, um, all these things that we know can help. And at that point, it was just too late. Her body had been malfunctioning um, for so long that it was just too late to eat. She wasn't even a candidate for chemo or radiation or surgery. So very devastating. Now, I use that story, and I know that she would want me to use that story to really help people understand that the time to take care of your health is now. The time to change your lifestyle is now. It was actually yesterday. Um, and I think what's been interesting about this whole COVID thing is that people are now aware that their lifestyle actually does influence how they fare against this virus. So we've you know, been dealing with this virus for many months now, and we know that the people that are faring well the 50% of people that are asymptomatic are people who don't have underlying health conditions. And the underlying health conditions that are being cited as being the worst for people who come down with COVID are heart disease and diabetes. Um, People that are taking certain medications for those conditions, those medications actually, you know, they, they are keeping that person alive, but they're actually enhancing the virus within the body if they get infected. And that's why we're seeing um, such a high death rate in those populations. 
And so those those diseases, heart disease, diabetes, for the most part, are lifestyle-induced, meaning that you lifestyled your way into that, that condition or that diagnosis. And yes, you can lifestyle your way out. We've seen it many times. There are many case studies to show this, um, but it really does take a decision and, and hard work to really reverse those things. Well, and you can't wait to the last minute. I think that's the the moral of the story is if you wait until you're sick to try to get healthy, it's, you know, in often cases like for your mom, it's, it's too late. And so one of the things that we always tell our kids is, you know, and it sounds a little bit ominous or um, fear driven, but it's true. And that is if you live like you had cancer today, you'd most likely never get it tomorrow. Um, and same thing with heart disease or can or uh, diabetes or Alzheimer's or any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, the point is, and again, back to the topic for today is five, five ideas to increase your personal power. You know, the way that you increase your personal power is to increase your health. When you have better health, you have better energy. When you have better energy, you have better state. Like Tony Robbins says, if you find the right state, you find the right solution. We all have issues and obstacles and problems that we have to solve in our lives every single day. And if you can get in the right state because you have great energy, you have health, you have vitality, you can find the right solution. So we're going to go through these five things and, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. So number one is mindset. And again, these are, these are applications that we have implemented in our office with our team, uh, with our family, with uh, many patients over the years. But, uh, you know, stress, stress is a killer and, you know, relative to mindset, stress is probably the number one thing that ruins mindset. The problem is 80% of all doctor's visits in the U S are related to the, to the negative effects of stress. And in terms of money and bottom line, stress costs us over $300 billion a year. You know, you talk about the national deficit and all the debt that we're going into and all this, you know, all the, all the things, if we would just find a way to manage our stress better, it would save us tons and tons of money. And so the solution is, you know, you can't avoid stress nor, nor should you, you know, it's like in the gym, if you didn't stress your muscles, your muscles wouldn't get stronger. So stress can be a good thing. It's just that you can't work out indefinitely. Otherwise that workout, which starts out as a good thing, turns into a bad thing, right? Just like running. Like when you're running from a bear in the woods, your body's in a state of stress, a fight or flight or a sympathetic response. That's a really healthy, good thing. It'll help your body adapt and evolve, but you can't run away from a bear forever, right? Eventually you die. So here's here's a solution. These are two things that we do in our office. Uh, one of them is more personal. The other one can be corporate with people or people on your team. And the first one, this is one of my favorite things, and I've just adapted this over the years, you know, stealing bits and pieces of other people's morning routines, but I call it the three threes. And the three threes, this is something that I do every single morning, even on vacation, just because I get so much personal power from it. And the three things are three things, or the three threes are the three things that you're grateful for, three things that you're pursuing as far as goals, like short-term or mid-term goals, and then three musts that you must do today to move you towards those goals. And the reason why this is so empower- so empowering is because number one, three things is easy, right? Uh, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. This usually takes me five to 10 minutes in the morning every day. And I write it down in a journal and then I actually take a picture of it with my phone and then I save it as my screensaver on my phone every day. I switch out my wallpaper so that that way I can just click the on button on my phone 
or the uh, awake, you know, the wake button on my phone. And then I can see my three threes right there. And it keeps me on task, right? Because life hits you, all these variables that you can't control start coming at you throughout the day. Before you know it, you're doing things totally different than you intended to do. But if you can keep it top of mind by taking a picture of it, it's really powerful. So the reason why the three things that you're grateful for is, is why is where we start is because studies show that it's nearly impossible to be in a state of anxiety or depression and in a state of gratitude at the same time because it's it's the same part of the brain, right? It's, it's like being hot and cold at the same time. It's not really physiological pro, uh, possible. And so if you can just focus on three things that you're grateful for, it'll put you into a state of gratitude and it'll help you pull yourself out of a state of anxiety or depression. Three things that you're pursuing are three goals. Those would be three things that they could be business, they could be family, they could be fitness, they could be financial or spiritual, but three things that you're focused on right now. And those three things shouldn't really change, right? Like those three things for me change, you know, slowly as I, you don't want to have three new goals every single day or every single week. Um, and then three must, this is where the action happens. This is where the rubber meets the road. And this is where most people stop. You know, some people have goals, um, but a lot of people, if you have goals, you're not creating action steps for yourself every single day that help move you in the direction of those goals. And a lot of times they're really small things like on my three musts, I call it the three musts, three things I must do today. A lot of times those three musts are really simple things like, you know, shoot so-and-so a text message and tell them X, Y, or Z, right? Send an email, make a phone call, uh, stop by and say hi to a, a contact, um, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, it doesn't have to be big and sexy, um, but it has to be something. So the three musts. So we're going to, we're gonna actually going to move on to the second uh, section here. So that's the first idea. It, those are, those are ways to reduce stress and reduce anxiety in your life. We're going to move into nutrition. So nutrition is a really big, really big topic, but uh, you know, obviously you are what you eat and your energy levels, your attention, your focus, your stamina, endurance, all of those things are directly related. You know, your life performance is directly related to the quality of your nutrition. And I think, obviously, with the topic of COVID-19, you know, more and more people that otherwise weren't paying close attention to what they were eating are now looking at that as, okay, what are all the things I can do to boost my immune system function? And again, like you said, it, it also affects our energy levels, our sleep, um, weight loss or weight gain. And so probably the, the biggest problem that we see with nutrition is sugar. Um, it's an anti-nutrient. It causes inflammation. It uh, decreases immune function. Uh, it causes our bodies to gain weight. And so one of the first places that people can really start attacking their nutrition and improving their lifestyle is just to get sugar out of their pantry, out of their fridge, just off their plate. Um, you know, stop consuming beverages that are loaded with sugar. And the problem is I think that most people equate sugar to like the sweet things, you know, like the ding-dongs and the ho-hos and the Oreos and the cakes. Do they even make those anymore? I don't even know. I haven't seen a ding-dong or a ho-ho in a long time. I know. I probably just dated myself. Anyway, so it's not just those sweet things and those desserts. Um, Pop-tarts, those are still a thing. It's, it's also where it's hiding. And so sugar is often hiding in any sort of boxed food, sauces, ketchup, salad dressings, 
Um, it's hiding in soda, in fruit juice. Uh, you know, there. Are, if you look at the glycemic index, the glycemic index is basically a measurement, a measuring tool for what the sugar content is of food. And so, when we start even getting into natural foods, fruits and things like that, um, you can look at the glycemic index to determine if that if that natural food is you know high in sugar. One of the biggest places that I that I hear about this is like natural sweeteners, like honey. Um, maple syrup, all of these things. And, you know, you hear people say, well, it's natural, it's fine. And it's like, well, you know, if you're somebody who's trying to reverse, um, you know, inflammation in the body and really trying to take control of your lifestyle, you're probably somebody that's going to want to stay away from those high glycemic foods, even if they are natural. Um, so this is just really just to open up your awareness and get you thinking about it. Um, the next thing would be just to remove processed food. Processed food is what we call Franken food because it has artificial colors, artificial flavors, trans fats. Um, these things cause toxicity in the body, which can affect your ability to lose weight. It can cause brain fog. It can make it really difficult to fall asleep and stay asleep, um, weight loss resistance. So again, just shifting your focus when it comes to meal planning and meal prepping and eating at restaurants, shift away from the processed things and eat more things you know that can be found naturally occurring in the earth. It's a great place to start. Um, we never use artificial sweeteners. You know, obviously, I just talked about staying away from sugar. So what can you use if you have a sweet tooth? Well, there's plenty of natural sweeteners that are not high on the glycemic index. One of the uh, sweeteners that we use to bake with uh, is erythritol. It's um, the brand that we use is Swerve, but there are plenty of other brands. You can use monk fruit sweetener. Um, Lakanto is a great brand that we use for that, um, and it's not going to affect your blood glucose levels. You do, you do have to watch out for the erythritol because if you use too much of it, it can make you a little gassy. I think our kids our, doubled. The our daughters <laughs> made some cookies to... the other day, and I think they. Put way too much erythritol in our house was not uh, not the most aromatically pleasant place to be for actually, a few days. It was a science experiment. We wanted yeah. to see how it affected you. Well, yeah. Sorry. Note taken. Anyway, the solution for nutrition. So this is a great play. This is a great you know small step that you can take to start uh, improving your nutrition and, and increasing your personal power. You know, from a nutrition perspective, and it's by doing a, a smoothie challenge. So basically, you know, one thing that we do for businesses that we work with or patients that we work with is we'll put them on a smoothie challenge, which is basically 30 days or a month of just doing smoothies for breakfast. I mean, that's all you got to change. Don't worry about changing your any of the rest of your diet. Don't worry about counting calories or macros or anything else, at least for now. Just start with a smoothie challenge. And uh, real quick, just what we put in our smoothies. We usually do kale or spinach or some combination of both, some kind of power greens mix. We'll do about a, uh, well, we do a whole family. But if you're doing it just for yourself, these are kind of the, the measurements that you'd want to use. You'd want to do about a cup of greens. You'd want to do about two tablespoons of almond butter, or you could do organic peanut butter, but almond butter is a little bit better. Do a tablespoon of either chia seeds or hemp hearts, which are both really high in omega-3 fatty acids and healthy proteins. You'd also want to do uh, about a half cup of frozen blueberries. We also do a scoop of grass-fed whey protein, or we'll do bone broth protein powder. And then we also do a scoop of Max Greens powder, which is basically like dehydrated and uh, you know um, condensed vegetables. 
um, that have been crushed up into a powder. So, um, and then we just add either almond milk or coconut milk and then blend to taste. So it's really, really easy. It's really, really good. In fact, I'm the one from this morning is a little bit thick, so I'm actually eating mine with a spoon right now, but it's it's fantastic. And if you put enough good stuff in it, you know, that one little shake can sustain you for four to six hours, no problem. So if that's what you start with, I, I'm a big fan of winning breakfast because if you can win breakfast, and breakfast can happen anywhere, break fast can happen anywhere, it doesn't have to happen at 8 a.m., uh, you know, just the first meal of your day, if you can win the first meal of your day, then it takes a lot of the pressure off of you to win the rest of your day when it comes to nutrition. And what studies actually show is that people that make good decisions for breakfast typically end up making better decisions for lunch and dinner just because they've started their day off right. So do the smoothie challenge. Next topic that we're going to talk about is fitness. This is, I, I, I love, I love fitness. In fact, um, if, uh, you know, if, if you're interested for the month of September, we're doing a fitness challenge where me and Dr. Aaron and the rest of our team at Summit, every single day for 30 days at 6 a.m., we're going to post a new movement or a new exercise. And uh, the goal is, or the challenge is, to do that movement or do that exercise every day with us for 30 days. And it's all going to be body weight stuff. It's not stuff you have to go to the gym or hire a trainer or buy a bunch of equipment. It's all going to be stuff that you can do wherever you are. You can do it remotely. There's no cost for it, but it's just a way to get people moving and create a little bit of community. What I've found, you know, being in practice and talking to patients for the last, you know, six months is that uh, people's fitness levels have taken a drastic hit. And it's just because we're all, you know, we're either working for home, from home and so we're not moving around as much or our gym, our gym got canceled or things got shut down or we're not supposed to go out and be around people. And so people just aren't moving nearly as much as they used to. Um, and a lot of people just want to get in better shape anyway. So the fitness challenge is going to be an awesome thing. All you got to do is just stay tuned to our Facebook page. So if you go to Summit Family Chiropractic on Facebook, you'll uh, you'll find our page. And then starting on uh, August 31st, actually, we're going to do like a 20-minute webinar kickoff just to overview um, and outline the program. But uh, starting on the 1st at 6 a.m. every single day for the month of September, we'll have uh, different uh, movements or, or exercises. But anyway, the problem is that only 23% of Americans, according to statistics, get enough exercise every day. Um, and the cool thing is that, again, we're talking about workplace wellness, but again, this transcends to your family life as well. Listen to this. This study showed that 30 minutes of exercise produced an effect that was just as not just as strong, if not stronger, in terms of benefit compared to antidepressants at lowering stress and anxiety. So let me say that again. I mean, this is huge because studies show that six out of 10 Americans are anxious or depressed and three out of those six are clinically depressed, meaning they're taking a psychotropic medication with crazy side effects. Um, this study showed that if you just worked out 30 minutes a day, if you just worked out 30 minutes a day, Dr. Aaron's got a peace out. So peace out. Thanks for being with us. Kids. Hashtag Kids. Anyway, this study showed that uh, even just 30 minutes of exercise produced the same result, right? So you could pick a, take a pill, take your chances. Um, you know, what's crazy about antidepressants, and, I'm, and if you're taking this stuff or you have in the past, I'm not trying to beat you up, but I'm just telling you what the research shows. You know, if you look at the label, the top two, the top two side effects of antidepressants, like psychotropic medications, are homicide and suicide. 
And I mean, if you just think about that, I mean, that's crazy. And not everybody that's on an antidepressant goes out and does something crazy like that. However, what they're finding is that a lot of those homicides or suicides, uh, a large percentage of those cases are related to, you know, issues that were caused by those drugs. And it, and it makes perfect sense. You know, there can be a benefit, I think, for some people in some situations. But I think for most people in almost every situation, it messes with your brain chemistry. And by design, that's really what the medication is is supposed to do, is interfere with and interrupt your brain chemistry, which you know may have a short-term benefit, but long-term end, ends up being you know significantly uh, detrimental. So anyway, the other thing that happens when you move consistently is you, re- you release endorphins. And we all know that endorphins are like our little, little happy chemicals uh, that make us feel satisfied and happy about life, and they elevate our mood. Um, but it's very difficult to get those endorphins to release without movement. In fact, exercise and movement's the number one way to release endorphins in your body. So what we do as an office, again, if you want to apply this to workplace, you can steal this or you can just do this in your everyday life. But uh, do three to five minutes of bodyweight exercise every day. And so what we do in our office is we have four afternoon shifts a week, and then we have a Friday morning shift. But Monday through Thursday, before the afternoon shift starts, we always do between three and five minutes of some kind of body weight exercise. And it doesn't mean we're getting all hot and sweaty. You know, it doesn't mean we go put on our workout stuff. It's just in our work clothes. We'll do, you know, three to five minutes of air squats or push-ups or, you know, flutter kicks or crunches or different things, wall sits. And it's, number one, it's a great way to create team culture or community. Number two, it's a great way to just get a little bit of extra movement in your day. And I can tell you that whenever we don't do that, the energy and the uh, just the, the tone of the office is, is significantly lower than the days that we do that. So we try to make that you know a staple into every day. But the bottom line is move every day, even if it's just a little bit. You know, I think one of the one of the dangers or one of the things that people one of the traps that people fall into is because they can't do everything, they don't do anything. And I'm guilty of this too. You know, when I tore my Achilles tendon a few years ago, it was very tempting to just not work out at all because I thought to myself, well, I'm in this boot or I'm on crutches or I'm, I'm uh, you know, on a, on a um, uh, knee scooter. And so I can't do body squats. I can't do running. I can't go cycling. I can't, all these different things are all, there were so many things I couldn't do. In fact, there was very few things I could do. But the temptation was, and the trap was that because I couldn't do it all, or because I couldn't do it like I wanted to, I, I, I just, it wasn't worth doing anything at all. And so even if all you have time for is three minutes, right? Listen, three minutes of exercise every day will, pres- will produce a positive result. It's the, it's the three minutes you don't take because you don't think it's going to make a difference. That's what's eating you up right now. It's not the fact that you can't go spend an hour in the gym. So just do three to five minutes every day, and then you can build from there. The fourth thing is toxicity. Uh, this is this is always just a, a very uh, broad topic because toxins are everywhere, and you know the 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 impact of toxicity on our lives is so deep and so wide that it's almost hard to quantify exactly you know how detrimental toxins are to our physiology and to our lifespan. However, I can tell you from a clinical standpoint, you know, working with patients on a functional medicine level and doing specialized advanced nutrition testing and things like that, that uh, some of the most common side effects or some of the most common symptoms of toxic overload is weight loss resistance, number one. 
uh, meaning you exercise, you eat well, you take supplements, and you just can't lose weight no matter what you do. Um, number two, brain fog, being a, being able to focus and concentrate and be present in the moment whatever with whatever you're doing, whether it's family or work. Uh, brain fog can be caused by toxicity. And then lastly, I know we keep tying this back in, but a weakened immune system, you know, so right now, again, we've been talking about, um, you know, relative to the coronavirus, instead of trying to avoid sickness, if you just focused on building health from within, you have very little to worry about. And if you, if you can uh, intentionally and systematically detoxify your body on a semi-regular basis, like I do, I do an intentional detox with Max Living's detox system, um, at least three, if not four times a year, then, uh, you know, ridding the body of these toxins automatically increases the, eff- the efficiency and the effectiveness of your immune system, right? But, uh, you know, again, relevant to or relative to the workplace, by detoxifying and avoiding toxins, you're going to have better mental clarity, you're going to better focus, better attention to detail, better presence, and, uh, and you might also lose some weight and have better uh, metabolism in the process. So here's one thing that you can do. Here's a tip. This is really simple. And I always tell people um, what's simple to do is also simple not to do. That's the reason why most of us know that know what we should do. We just don't do it. Uh, we all want to make things more complicated than they need to be. But um, drink more water. So do, do a water challenge. And this is another thing that we do for uh, well, you know, workplace wellness programs for businesses that we work with and patients that we work with, do a water challenge. You know, studies show that you should be getting at least fifty percent of your body weight in ounces of water every day. So what that means is, and I don't mean like actual ounces. So what I mean is, if you weigh a hundred pounds, you would drink 50, 50 ounces of water every day. If you weigh two hundred pounds, you drink a hundred ounces of water every day. That's minimum fifty ounces or sorry, 50% of your body weight in ounces every day in water. If you're active or if it's summertime and you're outside and you're sweating more, you should, you should actually shoot for 60%. And if you're trying to detoxify your body, you need to be shooting for 60% or even more. So a really easy way to do this is you can, you can download, uh, the, my water app. There's tons of them out there. Really just depends on what kind of format you like and the aesthetics of the, the app itself. But uh, the My Water app is a really good one. I like it. It's clean and simple and easy to use, and it's free. And literally every time you take a drink of water, you just add however much water you drank, and it keeps track throughout the day. You can even set it so that it will give you like notifications or um, you know a little ringtone at certain checkpoints of the day just to make sure that you're, you're on track. So that way you're not sitting there drinking a gallon of water right before you go to bed at night. Um, I've done that and that's not efficient or effective either. So anyway, drink water, right? Just drink more water. You would be surprised. And again, some of you are thinking that's too easy. Can't be that easy. Um, Just do it. Just do it for two weeks and then let's talk. I promise you. Studies show that the number one cause of midday fatigue, we've all been there, right? You, You have a great morning, you go to lunch, you come back, you're a little groggy. Halfway through your afternoon shift, you're like, oh my gosh, I need an espresso. Um, most of the time, the reason why that is, is you're dehydrated, right? You you only think to drink water when you're hot or sweaty and uh, it just doesn't work like that. And by the time you're, you actually feel dehydrated, studies show that you've actually been dehydrated for, you know, uh, either one to several hours. So you really want to try to stay ahead of it. So just drink more water. I promise you'll feel better. You'll have better metabolism, better mental clarity, less brain fog, and a better working immune system. Drink more water. 
Last, the last idea of the five ideas to increase your personal power is having to do with posture. So, you know, as chiropractors, this, this topic is very near and dear to me. I mean, this is something that I help people with every single day. You know, a lot of people think that chiropractors just pop backs and help you with back pain, neck pain, or headaches. And obviously that's a huge part of what we do is help people achieve those results. What people don't realize though, is that the essence of chiropractic is not to just pop your back and make your back feel better. Does that happen? Yes. Is that why a lot of people go to a chiropractor? Yes. Is that the point of chiropractic? Absolutely not. Um, And if you just think about it from an anatomical standpoint for a second, I want to explain just the essence of chiropractic, and that'll talk about how this pertains to posture, and then I'll give you some tips. But, you know, your body, um, again, back to Dr. Aaron was talking about the definition of health earlier. Definition of health is when your body's functioning at 100%. Well, that makes sense, right? Like a car that's functioning exactly like the manufacturer designed it to function, it's not going to have any issues. It's not going to break down. Your body's like a machine, just the same way. Well, then the question is, well, what controls the function of your body? And it's like asking, well, what controls the function of all the appliances in my house or all the electronics in my car? Well, it's, it's the electricity, right? It's the electrical, it's the wiring system. And in your body, it's no different. It's your nervous system. I and mean, literally, it's like electricity. And so we all know this, that your brain is what tells your heart to beat and your lungs to breathe and your stomach to digest food and for a cut to heal and for your immune system to fight, fight the coronavirus. Your brain controls all that stuff. But the way that it does that is it has to be able to send signals down the spinal cord and then out the nerves. Your nervous system is just like the wires in your house. If I cut the wire to your washing machine, your washing machine doesn't work. If I cut the nerve that goes to your heart, your heart doesn't work. It's the same exact thing. Well, similar to your house, right? Like in our house, I'm in right now I'm in our basement office and I can see our circuit panel, right? All that circuit panel um, is, is like the checkpoint or the filter that all the electricity has to go through from the outside and then to our house. And then from there, it distributes that electricity throughout all the different rooms and appliances in our home. Well, your spine is very similar in the, in the sense that almost all of the nerves in your body branch off your spinal cord and then go through the spine. They have to exit the spine to be able to get out and go to wherever they're going, whether it's your heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, adrenal glands, pancreas, whatever it might be. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but what happens in life because of slips, trips, and falls or car accidents or bad posture, sitting too much at work, that's why why workplace wellness and ergonomics is such a big deal right now. Um, What happens is either, either either all at once or slowly over time, your spine can shift out of alignment, right? We know that we know, you know, cases like scoliosis or people with massive forward head posture. You walk around, you see the people with that hump on their back, like where their neck meets their shoulders, and like the, there's like this big bump or hump. Those are misalignments. You know, scoliosis is just a, a bunch of misalignments in your spine. But even if it's just one bone that's out of alignment, it affects and irritates the nerve that's coming out in between the two bones that are out of alignment. And so what, what happens is it doesn't shut the nerve off altogether. Like it's not like if you cut the wire to your washing machine, but what it does is it irritates that wire and then it causes dysfunction or dis-ease on the other end of that wire. Just like in your house, if you started messing with the wire that went to your laundry room, you know, your washing machine wouldn't work as well. It would either run too hot or too cold or not at all. And eventually your, your washing machine is not going to last as long as the manufacturer designed it to. And that's what we now know about your spine and your nervous system. We know that people with a compromised nervous system because of a bad spine, they have health issues way beyond just back pain, neck pain, or headaches. And again, this is important. Listen to this. This is actually, these are all statistics that are taken from 
uh, Kelly Starrett, who's a, a doctor of physical therapy. He's a guy I've, I've followed and uh, learned from, read all of his books over the years. He's a brilliant guy, but he wrote this book called Deskbound, and it's all about, I mean, it's all about the chiropractic principle. It's all about how a bad spine doesn't just cause back pain, neck pain, or headaches, but a compromised spine and bad posture lead to sickness, disease, and early death. And a lot of behavioral disorders in children and cognitive decline in older people. And I'll read you just a couple of these statistics. Back pain accounts for 264 million lost workdays per year. So you want to talk about bottom line and how this affects workplace, uh, you know, productivity. 264 million dollars a uh, or sorry, 264 million lost workdays per year in, in America. 80 percent of Americans experience back pain, back pain at some point in their life. Chronic pain reduces cognitive function and memory. I actually found that uh, that sitting. Sitting is now the number four leading cause of preventable illness in the world. It's over 3 million people, according to the statistics. I think it was the World Health Organization. Uh, one fourth, or sorry, the, the fourth leading cause of preventable illness in the world is from the detrimental effects of sitting too much. And people might go, well, how does that, how does that happen? You know, I sit all the time. I watch a movie. I don't feel sick afterward. What happens is when you're sitting, you're compromising your spine. Now, if you sit with perfect posture the whole time, that's fine. But studies show that people sit anywhere from eight to 12 hours a day, accumulatively speaking. You know, when you when you factor in eating, driving to work, sitting at your job, watching TV, whatever it might be, we sit a lot. And the thing is that you typically probably sit okay in terms of posture in the very beginning, but after a few minutes or an hour, your posture probably sucks. I mean, let's be honest, right? And it's just because it takes it takes work. It takes effort to sit upright versus just slouching in your chair. Well, the problem is that when you do that, you compromise your spine. And remember, if you compromise your spine, you compromise your nervous system. If you compromise your nervous system, you also compromise whatever's connected to that part of your nervous system. So what they're finding is, the reason why sitting is the number four leading cause of preventable illness is is not because people are dying of back pain or a sore back or he- tension headaches. It's because a bad spine causes dysfunction or dis-ease in the organs that are connected to that part of the nervous system in that part of the spine. So uh, a couple of solutions. Number one, if you work at a desk, get a standing desk. I'm, I'm downstairs in my basement office, my home office. I've got a standing desk that goes up and down. It cost me like 350 bucks. It was one of the best investments I've ever made because every 20 minutes or so, I'll change my posture. I'll go from sitting to standing to sitting to standing. And as long as you're you're moving, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to stand the whole time because that's exhausting too. But as long as you're moving up and down and you're moving around, you're, you're just changing your position, that's really what matters most. The other thing that you can do, and this is something that we've implemented with a couple of businesses in the past, is we'll have them set movement timers. You know, so if you have a job, like if you're a computer programmer or you spend a lot of the time on, on the phone and you're kind of you're kind of stuck being in one station or one position for most of your day, set a movement timer for every 30 minutes. And every 30 minutes, just get up for 60 seconds, walk around your desk. You know, you can still be on the phone or you can still be doing whatever, but just walk around for 60 seconds. And if that's all you did, you know, throughout your day, studies actually show this is crazy. So they've actually done uh, productivity studies and they found that people that work at a standing workstation or an up and down seated standing uh, workstation were four times more productive than people that just sat all day long. 
I mean, think about that. Like again, if you're a, if you're a manager or a business owner or an entrepreneur, or even, you know, you're just trying to get your kids to do their homework. You know, if you're a teacher, you're a parent and you're just trying to get your kids to do what they're supposed to do. Um, four times more productive. You could also look at that from a time standpoint and say, you could get the same amount of work done in a quarter of the time if you just do it while you're, you know, moving around a little bit more often. And it makes sense because movement stimulates brain function, right? And it decreases cognitive uh, dissonance and it it decreases, you know, memory issues and brain fog. So all you got to do is move around a little bit. You can do the standing desks, you can do the movement timers, but it's very important. And again, you can think about it from two different perspectives. Number one, short-term proficiency and productivity, but long-term, if you just move around a little bit more, take care of your spine, take care of your nervous system, you could just, you know, possibly prevent the fourth leading cause of preventable illness. So I hope that helps. Uh, I know we kind of rushed through those five things. Dr. Aaron had to bounce because we have four kids, and that's just what you do when you have four kids. But uh, I'm glad for the time that she could spend with us. Listen, again, if you're interested in joining the September Fitness Challenge, it's a free deal. All you got to do is go to our Facebook page on uh, August 31st, which is next Monday. And uh, we'll do a 20-minute webinar just to kick off uh, the program and talk about the overview and kind of how it's going to go. And then every day for the month of September at 6 a.m., we're going to post a three- to five-minute video that's going to give an outline on uh, what movement or what exercise we're going to focus on for the day. And and none of the exercises or or workouts are going to be longer than 15 minutes or so. And some of the days, it's just going to be, hey, go for a walk or do some stretching or something like that. So it's not going to be you know, a blister burning workout every single day for a month. The idea is just to get people moving and build a habit. You know, studies show it takes 21 days to build a habit. We're going a little bit beyond that and going 30 days, but uh, our hope and prayers that we can help you establish a new habit so that going into, and this is why this is really strategic, you know, they keep talking about this second wave that they think is going to happen from the coronavirus because we're moving into what's known as flu season, which if you know anything about, you know, the, the biology viruses, there's really no such thing as flu season. What it is, is it's a season where our immune system sucks. You know, uh, it's colder, it's not sunny, so we're not working out, we're not outside as much. Uh, It's the holiday season, and so we typically eat garbage. We're more stressed out because of holidays and end-of-the-year quotas and family visitations and stress and all this different stuff. So there's no such thing as flu season. It's your body's less healthy season. So going into this season where our bodies are typically less healthy, more susceptible to sickness and disease, primarily or notably the coronavirus, we're trying to we're trying to combat that by developing and strengthening some habits going into the season that will really help you fare as well as possible. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next time. Look forward to seeing you on the Fitness Challenge. Thanks for spending some time with us today. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you could give is to share this episode with others and review our podcast in iTunes if you haven't done so already. When you share and review our episodes, it helps us reach more people and keep our content relevant to listeners just like you. We read every single review and love to hear how our show has impacted you. Thanks again. Now go out there and win your health.